بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 13th of may in the year 2023 alhamdulillah we moved on to the 20th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and I've reached a stage where we're now mentioning his participation on the various battlefields and I've mentioned thus far that in the glorious battle of Badr just prior our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he supplicated and besieged help from almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And he responded by revealing a verse indicating a thousand angels were now being sent. And then as he put his armor on, he recited a verse, Ayah Surah 54 verse 45, Soon the company will be routed and will turn and flee. And Umar in a Sayyid Hadith in Tabarani, he then realized that this was a prophecy with regards to the battle of Badr. So subhanAllah, even before the encounter ensued, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu, he related a miracle which was witnessed by all the blessed Badris. So what was this miracle? Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu said, the enemy appeared so few in our eyes during the battle of Badr, that my companion standing next to me said, do you think that their number barely 70? I said, I estimate that they are only 100. It was only when we captured one of them and questioned him that we discovered that they were actually 1,000 strong. So this is recorded in Tabarani. Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Volume 4, page 3 to 8 of the English translation. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, Volume 6, page 84. Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 5, page 4, 5, 6 to 7 of the New English translation. So what was the miracle? The enemy forces looked like they were just barely a hundred in the eyes of the Sahaba. And yet there was a thousand. So why did Allah the Almighty and Glorious made that appear so because he was giving courage. He was giving strength to the to the Muslims. But what's interesting, the same was also true, vice versa. The unbelievers had seen the believers few in their eyes. For it explicitly mentions in the Quran, in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse 44, of the Bilaim and Shaitan regime, وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ إِذِ الْتَقَيْتُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِكُمْ قَلِيلًا وَيُقَلِّلِكُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِهِمْ لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا And remember when you met, he showed them to you as few in your eyes. And he also made you appear as few in their eyes. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might accomplish a matter already ordained. So it clearly mentions in the Quran that this 
took place. So in verse 44 of Surah Al-Anfal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions that He showed them to you as few in your eyes, which Ibn Masood highlighted with Allah. But then He mentions, He also made you appear as few in their eyes. And then He mentions why subhanahu wa ta'ala, so that the decree would take place, meaning you would engage. Iqrimah, He commented, Rahmatullah he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, thus encouraged each of the two groups against the other. This is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 4, page 328 of the English translation, stated Sahih. So Allah Ta'ala wanted them to engage. He was bolstering them on. So the unbelievers, look how strange, they saw the Badris as a few. So they were thinking, this is going to be a done and dusted within a few, few minutes. The Sahaba, exactly the same. So now something tragic happened. There were some Muslims who were on the side of the unbelievers. So one of them who had come out, his name was Ali, the son of Umayyah. And with regards to this personality, he was killed by the believers just after the termination of the battle. We also have the following report in which it is related. So let's just mention who this person is. So Omeya, um, he was the one who tortured Bilal. He was one of the chiefs of the Quraysh. So Omeya, he was caught as a prisoner. And Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, one of the Ten Promised Paradise, he had taken him as a prisoner and his son, Ali. And then Bilal spotted him. And Bilal, he said, I will not live if he lives. So to go along the nation short, the Ansar gathered, and then even though Abdul Rahman ibn Auf tried to protect Umayyah, he was killed. But just before Umayyah was killed, Ibn Auf said to his son Ali, go forward, I engage. Your father's life is in danger. So Ali was also killed. So when was the moment of his death? It was after the battle. He, he was killed by the Ansar. Some years after the battle of Badr, Umayyah's widow, Sayyida Um Safwan ibn Umayyah, who had by that time embraced Islam, she saw the one who had killed her son, Sayyidina Al-Hubab ibn Al-Mundir in Makkah. So again, names... So who is this woman? This is the mother of the one who was killed, Ali ibn Umayyah. But she had now embraced Islam. So now she's informed, or she's told, the one who killed your son at Badr, the one who killed your son at Badr, Hubab ibn al-Mundir, he's there. So when the person pointed out the killer of her son, who had cut the leg of her son Ali at Badr, she said, do not mention to us those who were killed upon unbelief. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed humiliated Ali with a blow from Al-Hubab ibn al-Mundir. Whilst Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored Al-Hubab by allowing him to deliver a blow to Ali. Alas, Ali was upon Islam when he left from Makkah 
but he died upon something else. This is recorded by Hafiz Humaydi Rahmatullah in his Al-Tariqh Al-Islami 4-154. So his mother said he was a Muslim. But he was forced to go out. He was hiding his faith. But at Badr, he goes, a change took place. He goes, he was upon Islam, but he died upon something else. So now what's amazing? She did not defend her son in the least. Imagine somebody points out the person who killed your son. You know, if she had said something like this, why did they kill my son? They could have captured him, you know, reasoned with him. We won't have found fault. You know, we think her mother would speak like that. Look what she said. Don't mention to us those who were killed upon unbelief. So imagine the person who brought that news to her. I think I just told you that you killed your son. And he goes, don't mention. And then... She praised Hubab. She didn't even hide his. He goes, Allah Ta'ala honored him by striking my son. And my son was humiliated. And then she said, he left Islam. He goes, he left something happened to him. So what was Sayyida Um Safwan ibn Umayyah, what was she, what was she highlighting? She was showing Iman. <laughs> People say you got Iman, where's the proof of the you know how Iman? You, you gotta really seriously ask yourself, have you got Iman? This is Iman. Right? Iman manifest. Now what's interesting? She had another son. The other son was Safwan ibn Umayyah. <laughs> Did he embrace Islam? So what do you think? Safwan ibn Umayyah. Yes. Did he embrace Islam early or late? Late. late. Yeah. Safwan ibn Umayyah, he actually was now furious. His father had been killed at Badr. Who was his anger geared towards? Bilal. Because he killed his father. And of course, the people who had you know, captured him. He financed Uhud. He came out to fight in Uhud. He came out in the trench and he didn't want nothing to do with Islam. So, Fawan ibn Umayyah. Now, what's interesting, there was a friend of his, his name was Umar ibn Wahab. And Umar ibn Wahab, he had fought in Badr and he was left for dead. They thought they killed him, but he managed to escape. When he came back, he was a very close friend of uh, Safwan. And Safwan said, you know, he nursed him, looked after him. And then as some months or time passed, Safwan ibn Umayyah and Umayyah ibn Wahab, they're sitting around the Qab. This is an authentic hadith. The hadith is in Tabarani, in Hayat al-Sahab. And Umayyah uh, ibn Wahab, he said, if it wasn't for the debts I owed, I would now go and have killed Muhammad because his son had been captured by the Prophet as well. So Safwan knew that Umar ibn Wahab was a man of his word. So Safwan said to Umay, uh, Safwan said to Umar, he goes, look, I saw your debts up. He goes, don't worry about your debts. Would you go through with your plan? He goes, yes. And he goes, I have an excuse to get close to him. Because my son has been captured. I will pretend that I'm paying his ransom to free him. When I get close, I will strike. 
So Safwan goes, go. So Umar went to call a long narration short. He gets the opportunity next to the Prophet and Umar he didn't trust him. He goes, keep an eye on this dog. So then what happened was the Prophet goes, leave him Umar. So when Safwan came, uh, when Umar came close, Umar ibn Wahab the Prophet said, why have you come here, Umar? So Umar said, I've come to ransom my son. And then he said, then why have you got your sword in your hilt? So Omer, he goes, damn the swords. It's these swords that have brought us to this predicament. So then the Prophet he said, are you telling me the truth? Is this the reason why you're coming? To ransom your son? Or is there some other reason? So Omer goes, this is the only reason. So the Prophet then told him the whole incident because you were sitting around the Kaaba with Safwan ibn Umayyah. You were discussing Badr and you said that you would kill me if you didn't have debts. And Safwan goes, I will pay off the debts. So Omer goes into shock and after a while, he takes the Shahada and he says to the Prophet he goes, only three knew about that conversation. He goes, myself, Safwan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, I didn't tell you. Definitely Safwan didn't tell you. He goes, that only leaves one option. So look how beautiful. You know, they were very intelligent people. He goes, only Allah Ta'ala could have informed you. So you are Rasulullah. So then he says, Ya Rasulullah, let me go back and I will preach Islam. I will invite them to Islam. So the Prophet said, I fear for you. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, let me go. And eventually he was given permission. So when Omer goes back, Omer ibn Wahab, and Safwan sees him, he goes, you know, he's done it, he's back. And then he says, what happened, Omer? So Omer then says, I went with one intention and I've come back with something else. He goes, what have you come back with? He says, I've come back with the shahad. So Safwan couldn't believe it. He goes, you've betrayed me. And then what happened? Because he was a friend, he let him go, didn't say anything to him. Well, then the other companions, who weren't companions at the time, they wanted to sort him out as well, Ikrimah. Because Safwan, uh, Omer was going around Makkah calling people to Islam. So Ikrimah was going to strike him. So then Safwan intervenes. He goes, put your sword back, Ikrimah. He goes, I'm looking after him. So what's strange? He goes, I disowned him, and yet he was protecting him. Then to quote another long narrative short, when Makkah fell, Safwan legged it. <laughs> He said, I don't want to be in a place where Muhammad is in charge. Then Omer pleaded with the Prophet. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, please, he goes, let me go to Safwan. I can still reason with him. And he goes, please give me your turban. So what happened? He went and he caught him just as about he's about to board a, sh- a, a ship. And he goes, Safwan, where are you going? And he goes, I'm leaving. And then he says, Rasulullah asked about you. Because he asked about me. He goes, what did he say? He goes, a man with his intelligence, I don't see why he shouldn't embrace Islam. And then he showed the turban of the Prophet according to one report. And then Safwan came back with Omer and he didn't embrace Islam. He came, he sat with the Prophet, the Prophet invited him and he goes, I need time to think about it. <laughs> and then Safwan, again to quote a long narrative, long narrative short, he only embraced Islam after the battle of Hunin. <laughs> 
when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he took some armor from him uh, and he goes out give it to you back but he gave him a vali and some camels and so far couldn't believe how generous he was because only a prophet could be as generous as this so what's switching here his father was killed at badr safwan ibn umayyah his brother was killed at badr so when we're discussing badr we're not related so we just you know we love the sahaba we hear the kufar but you got to remember these are family members so look out touch here his mother um safwan ibn umayyah radiyallahu anha she praised the killer of her son so what level of iman had she now you know acquired subhan So Sheikh Ali Muhammad As-Sallabi he mentioned in his work The Noble Life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam volume 2 page 999 of the English translation quoting what she meant was that Ali ibn Umayyah her son was amongst those who were known for their Islam in Makkah he and other Muslims like him were then forced to leave with the polytheists on the day of Badr So what did the sheikh say? He's explaining. He's saying that this man, he was known, people knew that he was a Muslim even though he was hiding. But he was forced to leave, I because of his father to go to Badr. Then when the two armies faced each other, Ali and others like him, they were put to fitna with their iman. What was the fitna? So they got to Badr. And what did I mention before the battle? Family. Well, he was now in a serious predicament. Something had happened. What had Allah Taala caused? It? The angels. You got to be focusing, otherwise, oh, maybe thinking of chicken and chips. Both the sides look few in number. Which side was Aliyah? The Kufar. So the Sheikh said. They saw the Muslims as few, and imagined they're going to be destroyed. They said these people have been deceived by their religion. Look what came out of their mouths, Ali's mouth, kufr. They've been deceived. Thus, Allah the Almighty revealed in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah Eight, Verse Forty-Nine. إذ يقول المنافقون والذين في قلوبهم مرض خرّحاؤلا دينهم. When the hypocrites and those in whose hearts is a disease said, these people are deceived by their religion. وَمَيَّتَ وَقَلَّ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ. But whoever puts his trust in Allah سبحانه وتعالى. Then surely Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is Almighty, the All Wise. So disaster. He was on the wrong side. Now, what's interesting? Did Allah Taala protect him? No. You would have thought, well, he's a Muslim. Maybe he was forced to come out. So Allah Taala would not allow that to for the Muslims to look few in their number. He made the same thing happen to Ali. Why? Because you weren't supposed to be with them. You're in the wrong crowd. If you're in the wrong crowd, what happens? You're gonna get smashed. This is why the Sheikh went on to say that we ask Allah the Almighty to protect us from all avenues which lead to the eternal humiliation and damnation. Amen. Now, what's shocking? Who actually led it before Badr? 
Shaitan. Even Shaitan knew. Shaitan had more sense than him. Don't go onto the battlefield. So he got onto the battlefield. Then what did he see? And look at the horrific words that came out of his mouth. These people are deceived by their religion. Isn't that a statement that makes you lose your iman? So Allah Ta'ala told you there was a disease, something wrong with him. But what were the steps? So this is the seed. The seed isn't just a story for you to have a cup of cocoa with. It's telling you something. Do not go into the wrong crowd. You go into the wrong crowd. What did the Prophet say? You will follow the religion of your Siddiq, your Khalil. You will follow him. So what happened? He died without Iman. And who testified to that? Of all people, his mother. His mother, you think, well, surely soft spot. She's going to say, no, no, no. Okay, he died, but good. Died on something else. Don't even mention him. Hafiz ibn Katir, he made another important point here. This is in his Tafsir, volume 4, page 329 to 330 of the English translation. This miracle occurred before the battle started. So, what miracle? The believers saw the kofar as few. The kofar saw the believers as few. This happened before they engaged. Ibn Kathir then said, however, when it started, when they engaged, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supported the believers with 1,000 angels in succession. The unbelieving group then saw the believers double their number. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited Surah Ali Imran, Surah 3, verse 13, the translation, there has already been a sign for you O Jews, in the two armies that met, I at Badr, they, I the unbelievers, saw them, I the believers, with their own eyes, twice their number. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports with his aid whom he wills. Verily in this is a warning for such as has, have eyes to see. Ibn Kathir said, this is how we combine the two verses. Certainly each one of them is true. And all thanks are due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all the favors are from him. So Ibn Kathir was explaining something very important. There's an apparent contradiction in the Quran. And lo and behold, the unbelievers have latched onto it because the Quran is contradicting itself. Is where? Because in Surah Anfal, Allah Ta'ala says, they were shown as few in the eyes. The unbelievers saw the believers as few. And yet, in Surah Ali Imran, it says, the unbelievers saw the believers twice their number. Contradiction. So, Bali Bali Musliman, chip shop paper, that's all they read, right? Because, well, it's a contradiction. Glory be to Jesus Christ, right? So, the response is, hang on a minute. You say, what's the two verses? Surah Anfal, Surah Ali Imran. We've been such a low ebb, you don't even know where the surahs are. If I was to ask you where Surah Anfal, which surah is it? What number would you say? Eight, very good, mashallah. Right? Surah Ali Ibrahim, what number? So, think about that. Allah Ta'ala can't contradict what is being referred to. So you go to Anfal, and what does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say? He made you appear as few in their eyes. It's clear. He made you, the believers, look small in the eyes of the kuffar. So the believers, they thought, what's this? We're going to wipe them out. Surah 8 verse 44. And yet, in Surah 3 verse 13, Allah Ta'ala says, the unbelievers saw the believers twice their number. Complete contradiction. 
So Ibn Kathir said, absolutely not. The verse of Anfal is before the battle engaged. Allah Ta'ala wanted the battle to take place. As soon as the battle started, game over. Allah Ta'ala sent the angels. And now just to add insult to injury, the unbelievers now saw the believers twice their number. The angels were enough. So they were completely overwhelmed. And Allah Ta'ala goes, I help whomever I wish. And then who is he referring this fight to? This is fascinating. Who was he talking to in Surah Ali Imran, Surah 3, verse 13? He's talking to the Jews. There has already been a sign for you in the two armies that met. Why is he talking to them? Because there's a narrative. The, the Prophet came after Badr and he said to the Qaymuga, he says, you know that I am the messenger of Allah and fear what will happen to the Quraysh might happen to you. So the Banu Qaynuka said, they were men, they didn't know how to fight. If you fight us, because you will find true men. Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. There has already been a sign for you in the two armies. Meaning, are you taking me on? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they did. Imagine. And how they didn't even go into the battlefield. They just, uh, white flight came up. Thus, as promised by Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, the believers won an incredible victory despite the odds being against them. So, of course, they were destined to win. But Allah Ta'ala was preparing the stage. And in fact, in one verse, which is to finish, the verse mentions Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. He says that even if you wanted to engage with each other, you would never have engaged. But this was the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala even gives you the hypothetical. The hypothetical was, if you left it to the believers and even the kuffar, you would not have engaged. Allah Ta'ala was forcing your hand to decree the matter, to highlight i.e. the status, i.e. of course, he was going to protect his deen and also the elite Badris who were honored and they were chosen by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who was in the thick and thin of all this? The great Abdullah ibn Masood. So all I mentioned today was basically the miracle which the all of the people on the field of battle saw. The forces remained small in their eyes. But this was the decree of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then I mentioned the tragic end of Ali ibn Umayyah, who came with Islam, but unfortunately lost his Islam on the battlefield. The lesson we take from that. And then I mentioned an apparent contradiction between two verses, but it's not the case. And the scholars explain it uh, very easily. Are there any questions? Subhanallah <laughs> <laughs>